0: The people of Israel had come out of Egypt, released by God's mighty hand. They had traveled through the sea on dry ground. They had paused at the mountain of the Lord to receive his law for their lives and for their worship and for their nation. They had taken a census of the people and had seen in the count that resulted from that, the blessing of the Lord on that people who had now become a mighty nation with abundant young men who could go and fight for them as their soldiers. And the Lord led that people to near the promised land, the land He had promised to give them as their very own home, and from that place just outside of that land the people determined in accordance with God's decree and the direction of Moses and their own desires to send spies into the land to better understand it and to better plan the final stages of their journey. Now that's a that's a really brief summary of Whole chapters even a few books of the Bible but it introduces the text for our sermon for this midweek Advent service here's how portions of numbers 13 and numbers 14 record what took place at that point Moses sent them the spies to scout the land of Canaan and said to them go up this way through the Negev and go up into the hill country See what the land is like. See if the people who live in the land are strong or weak. See if they are few or many. See if the land that they live in is good or bad. See what kind of cities they live in. See if the cities are camps or fortified places. See what the land is like. See if the land is fertile or poor. See if there are trees in the land or not. Be courageous and bring back some fruit of the land. This happened at the season of the first ripe grapes. They came back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire community of the Israelites at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They brought back a report to them and to the entire community. They showed them some of the fruit of the land. They reported to him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It really does flow with milk and honey. And here is its fruit. However, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites are living in the hill country. The Canaanites are living by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should go up now. And take possession of it because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with Caleb said, we are not able to go up against the people because they are stronger than we are. So they spread a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted. They said, the land that we explored and scouted is a land that eats up its inhabitants. All the people we saw in the land were huge. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the Israelites' constant grumblings against me. Tell them as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you just as I have heard you say. In this wilderness, your corpses will fall. All of you who are registered in the census, every one of you 20 years old and up who have grumbled against me, I swear that none of you will go into the land where I promised to settle you, except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. But your children, whom you said would become plunder, I will bring in, and they will experience the land which you have rejected." But as for you, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years. They will have to endure your prostitution until your corpses perish in the wilderness. You will bear the consequences of your guilt for 40 years based on the number of days that you scouted the land, 40 days, one year for every day. You will experience my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken. I swear that I will do this to the entire wicked community who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they will perish. There they will die. This is God's Word. How gut-wrenching. How heartbreaking. This mighty people of God with an even mightier God was standing near enough to this promised land to send spies in to explore it. But instead of entering the land, they were about to make an about-face and to leave it behind. For 40 years, one year for every day of the 40 that the spies had explored the land, the people would be wilderness nomads without a permanent home. And everyone who had been in a position to contribute to this decision for which the chastisement come, had come, would die. Now we can't possibly in the time of a single sermon today or even in quite a bit more time fully cover every aspect of the things that we read, not to mention the parts of this account that we skipped over for time's sake as well. But it's worth reviewing some of those highlights. The spies who went to explore the land found it just as God had described it. It was flowing with milk and honey. It was abundant and fruitful the men had even picked a cluster of grapes that was so large that they hung it on a pole and carried it between two of them the cities were large and were well fortified the people were large as they lived off the the abundance of that land and caleb and joshua two of our spies looked at the situation and said what a wonderful thing God is giving us this incredible land he's providing for us so generously by allowing us to take it with all of these things that it has going for it. But the other ten spies said that the people were too strong. The cities are too well defended. Even for God's people, they thought that the promised land was a lost cause. And the people gave in to their fear. The scary stories persuaded them. The strong people of the land and the high walls intimidated them. And they wept and they mourned and they grumbled. After such a long journey from Egypt to Sinai, from Sinai, to this new place, all the way here? Would they now be put to death by the sword as they tried to enter that land? Would their families be captured, their their children taken captive or slaughtered? Would this be the end of the Israelites' The Bible tells us this was not the end in a way. It was a new beginning. This was the beginning of an exile that would change God's people forever. This wilderness wandering would define God's relationship to His people once again. They refused to listen to Him. They refused to listen to His promise. They refused to set out and to win the land from its pagan inhabitants And so God sent them away from it. They became exiles because of their fear and because of their unbelief. In spite of God's track record with them and in spite of His promises to them, they surveyed the situation in front of them and decided not to push ahead. They refused to listen to God's direction. They gave up and they gave in. And their wilderness wandering would reflect how their hearts had wandered away from God. And that's a dire warning for the people of God who gather this Advent. God has an amazing track record with us. He's brought us this far. He's brought us through ups and downs. Some of the things that He's brought us through we no doubt have in common. Other things are much more personal or individual. But think of the many blessings God has given to us. We could talk about our families into which we were born, the nation in which we live, the church in which we worship, fellow Christians that support us and care for us. We could talk about the jobs and the careers and the relationships with which God has blessed us. We could talk about all the times that He provided for us and protected us. And I have no doubt that you could add your own personal examples, whether more detailed or like those categories that I have offered here. But then there's also that other list. What about the times you were like the ten spies instead of like the two? What about the times that you made excuses not to follow God's direction or His commands when maybe you even urged others to join you in exactly that sort of, let's call it what it is, rebellion? What about the times when you surveyed the situation in front of you, and instead of having confidence in God and confidence in His promises and in His power, enhanced by the very track record that He has established with you, you gave in to fear. And think about some of those scary monsters that caused so much fear, some of these giant walls and huge men in front of you, what were they? Maybe a, a germ, an illness, a virus, maybe a, a diagnosis of some deadly and debilitating disease. Maybe your neighbor. You know the one. The one you can talk to about anything except about church, and accept about Jesus Christ, your savior. Maybe fear and unbelief raise their ugly heads in our lives when we think about the offering plates. And we can't imagine how God would take care of us physically if we gave with a wholehearted generosity. And yes, I have no doubt that you could, if you sat and thought about it, added some personal examples to this list also. The exile of the Israelites was a reflection of their hearts. Fear and unbelief take us away from God. Fear undermines our faith. And if we are left to wander on our own, we would wander into destruction. But God's promises are bigger than our fears and bigger than our doubts and bigger than our sins and bigger than our enemies. God didn't abandon His people even if the, the vast majority of them had already abandoned Him. Forty years was going to be a long time for wilderness wandering. The death and the destruction that God had threatened was was real. Only two people. From that whole vast number of men who had been counted just shortly before this event, only those two would enter into the promised land. but God's people would enter that land just as he told them the children of those men and women, and generations after them would have their own place. God would not leave those people alone, even in their wandering as He provided and cared for and protected them. He was going to be with them to see them safely return to that land. God's track record for His people was going to continue. And His track record has continued. All the way to sending His dear Son into our world on a holy, silent night. His track record has continued all the way to to sending His Holy Spirit into hearts, generation after generation, And here's his track record for you. He made you his own in baptism and feeds you with the body and blood of his dear son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. He preaches his word to you through the mouth of his spokespeople. He's even given you that word so you have it on your bookshelf and and maybe on a on a screen and also in your hearts and on your minds as you read it and learn it and hear it and there's just one promise really that he has yet to fulfill that last promise is the one he tells us will be fulfilled on the last day. God has one more promised land in store for His people, for us. And maybe He will allow some of our souls to to enter that land a little sooner than others, but His promise stands. Jesus Christ will return and call all believers, body and soul, to His side in the joy and in the glory of heaven. You know, even if we could send spies into that promised land, they couldn't even come back and tell us what it's like because it's too marvelous for us to understand. This is not a land flowing with milk and honey or laden with clusters of grapes so large that we'd need a partner to carry them. This is a land where God dwells with His people. This is a land where sin and death and fear are no more. And this is a land from which we want to let nothing exile us. And that's God's gracious Advent promise to us. May our souls, like Mary's, Proclaim the greatness of the Lord who has remembered us, His people. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.